Well, welcome everybody uh, here on uh, Journey Wednesday Night Live. We are so grateful that you have joined us and are now joining the chat. Uh, we're going to be exploring a lot tonight. I'm joined by just the, the most amazing panel of four gentlemen, including myself. But first up, we've got the one and only Dustin Double A Anderson with the cute bracelet. We were talking about it just a moment ago. What, what does it say? Ohana. Family. Ah, uh, so good. Family. Mentally, I am in Hawaii right now. What island? What island, man? The one with less COVID. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which one would that be? Uh, I say Maui. You never hear anything about Maui, so I'll go there. Okay. All right. I'm also joined by the one and only Jeffrey Rodriguez. No bracelet. Just uh, no bracelet. living the Camarillo dream. Yeah. How's that going? <laughs> well, it hasn't been a dream lately because we have COVID here, but uh <laughs> Yeah. I mean But in your house? Not in our house. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some dreams are nightmares, so that's the that's the thing, you know. Uh and then we also have the one and only Jeffrey Odell Bonesaw. Hello. Barnett. What's up everyone? Can you show us what you've got in your left hand? Got my walking stick right here. So I'm so sore after running that five miles, man. It was horrible in uh, Hill Canyon, up the hill and down off that loop. Yeah. If you're a runner and you need a good, good little trail, do that one. That one will, will make you sore. Wonderful. Uh, where'd you get your stick? All right there, your little walking stick. This is from Ireland right here. It's from a, yeah, a maker in Ireland. So. Nice wood. It has a really beautiful uh, carved, you know, top on it. So is it hand wood? Hand, hand carved? Yeah, it's hand carved, and it's nice. It's uh, I use it for my hiking trails and things. So. Wonderful. Well, we're very grateful uh, that you have joined us tonight, guys. Thanks, thanks for being here, and thank you for everyone tuning into the chat. Uh, we're going to be exploring a lot together tonight, and so we want to hear your voices, not just ours. Uh, I mean, we like to hear our voices, but uh, we want to hear you chiming in, and we want to interact with you. We are actually live right now at 7.02 p.m., so let's uh, let's do a little opener now that we've gotten through our introductions. Uh, does distance make the heart grow fonder? What do you guys think? And then how do you keep your heart growing fonder when distanced maybe it's like a, a loved one or maybe it's a, a place whatever it is like let me hear from you uh first j-rod what do you what do you think i remember having a long distance relationship and it sure didn't make seem like it made my heart go fonder <laughs> there was a lot of frustration and anger and uh i don't think i was mature enough to have it i i heard i have heard that it does make the heart grow fonder but I don't know. If it, I don't know if it always does because I don't know. Even just being distanced from you guys, I prefer to have a relationship and be next to you. And my heart, I still love you guys, but my heart hasn't gone fonder because I haven't been hanging out with you. So I'm not for sure that the heart actually really grows fonder. I think it's a a wives' tale or a Irish myth because we have a walking stick. I do that. Yeah. I can see that. Uh, what What about you, uh, Dustin? What do you think? Yeah, of course it does. So if you guys want to go away for a little bit, I really on <laughs> my heart to miss you guys. Yeah, but you're an introvert, so you love this. You yeah. love the distance, right? Yeah, I mean, it's just great. You get to think of all the great things that have been said long distancely. You've been able to send up smoke signals. I rented a plane with a little message on it. So you got to get creative. But yeah, distance definitely makes your heart grow fonder because then you you begin to have a void in that heart, something you want to fill. So. So, so then how do you keep your heart growing fonder when you are distance? Um, you know, say like, like just, Steph, we'll give you a scenario. Steph is at work in like what West Hills or something like that. And like the yeah, Valley random somewhere. place, some random place. And you guys are apart for like, I don't know how often, nurses only work like one or two days a week. Right. Like, yeah, I never let her back in the house. So she's gone a while. <laughs> <laughs> but how do you keep the relationship going distanced on that like one or two days a week that she works? Just really making our time together intentional, make it count or else I, I send little cute text messages or 
emojis, uh, bitmojis is a, is a great one. So you can actually send a picture that looks like you in caricature form. Could you take a picture of that and show us what that looks like? So that you can I can. I'll, I'll bitmoji all of you. I'm going to Google bitmoji. I don't even know what that thing is. Yeah. Is that the thing that people make of themselves that looks nothing like them? Yeah, but this one looks like me. Let's see. Uh, if you're in the chat right now and you want to see the bitmoji of Dustin, let's let's uh, let's see yeah. that. And also, we're going to vote on that to see yeah, if it actually looks like that. For that. Can you post it in there and let them know that you're Hold up, bro. <laughs> Hold it up, dude. Come on. <laughs> right now. I was just talking to everyone in the chat. Hold on here. This the is people. The people want to see the bitmoji of Dustin Double A Anderson. All right. Here it is. Here it comes. Vote on it. I have to get an appropriate one for church. This is oh, wow. <laughs> wow. I'm seeing Aaron Roth say, show it. Mm. All right. Yeah. That looks like the guy from uh who was the guy who sang at the Super Bowl a couple years ago and took his shirt off? Justin Timberlake? Yeah. No, oh no, no, no. The Maroon Maroon uh Maroon Yeah, Maroon, yeah, Maroon uh twenty seven. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That's I don't see any resemblance there. But how about you, uh, Jeffrey O'Dell Bonesaw Barnett? Does well, this think, you got new well, you know the question. Yeah, I was just thinking, I think sometimes, you know, I do agree with uh with Jeff also. But just like I think sometimes you have to try harder, you know. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like you have to reach out or make a phone call or text, you know. I know like even Jeff was telling me his daughter's in college in a way, and you gotta try harder, you know, to like to stay connected so i think that that can you know that can definitely help love it thank you guys for answering in the in the chat people have also said that like they don't do distancing very well when it comes to the heart uh who else said something uh, harold said i can't make the distance last very long at all when i leave i just can't wait to get back by now i'm extremely fond of my church wow that was that was nice Love it. Anyone else uh, commenting in the chat that you wanted to mention? Well, Harold threw up his bitmoji too, so that's bonus <laughs> points for you, Harold. <laughs> Aaron said it was Adam Levine. <laughs> Adam Levine? Is that the Maroon 5 guy? <laughs> no. Yeah. That's just what he looks like. So, Wow. I'm just going to leave it there right there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Awesome. Um. Well, let's continue on our uh, on our night tonight. We're actually going to be closing out Paul's letter to the house churches of Rome, the book of Romans. And, and as we've explored over, I don't know how long it's been. It, it's probably been like over a year. But as we've explored all the intricacies of salvation, justification, the law, sanctification, like a lot of big churchy words, we, we've come to see that Romans is a lot to take in. But uh, before we go any further, fellas, I've got another question for you. How has Romans affected you? What specifically? And, and uh, you guys all in the chat, you guys are here with us. How has Romans affected you and what specifically as well? So go ahead, Dustin, would you kick it off for us? I mean, the past few weeks, if I'm being honest, I can't remember anything from the first as we started, but uh, talking about Paul's intentionality in getting to keep an eye on what's to come and how he really planned things out and moved forward and took people alongside with him that that has stuck with me and it's really challenged me the last few weeks so i think just that whole ministry side of things that he was talking about nice what about you bones why well, you know i know a lot of people kind of check out when you read like a genealogy or read a list of names but it kind of dawned on me when i was studying it that you know paul could remember people's names you know, and that's like a really amazing thing. I'm like, how would it, how in the world does he um, remember these people's names, right? Who helped him and, and, and whatnot. And so it kind of really made me really kind of think of like, you know, do I appreciate other people in that way? You know, am I, do I remember people's names? Do I like even thank them or encourage them like he was doing, which is pretty cool to see. And so that kind of was like a, a little nugget that I, I grabbed from Romans. What about you, J-Rod? Well, first of all, the first thing I remember about Romans was, uh, I think week two, I think, Jeremy, was our night that we first streamed and you had a really tough scripture <laughs> passage. Yeah. The first time we actually did a video. And I remember 
about 6.45, you were scrambling, scratching stuff out and kind of re-editing because we were actually going to be live like we are right now. And so I remember that for sure. Uh, the other thing that I found out is I don't remember studying like it, like we have uh, in such a detailed, uh, in-depth, maybe since 15 years ago when I studied it in, in, in Bible, uh, when I was doing the Bible uh, stuff. And what I found out this time is, man, there's a lot of great stuff in there, but there's a lot of confusing, uh, crazy, uh, I think difficult stuff that a, a lot of people, I was thinking about this today, a lot of people misinterpreted what it, what it says and don't really understand the grasp. And I'll be honest with you, I don't even know if I do. So yeah. it's not like I'm some great Bible wizard that I've got all this schooling, but I'm looking at it going sometimes really kind of conflicted and like, what is this really saying? And how do we interpret it? So uh, that's what I've got out of it. It's a really tough book. Yeah, of course. And and tonight as we close it out, I, I don't really know if we've uh, made more sense of it. It's always, uh, that's always amazing when it comes to the word of God is that we come to it and we find new mysteries every time to un unfold. But tonight as we close it out, we're going to close out with one final point from Paul. And it's an important one at that. Perhaps as Paul thinks and prays about these small house churches in Rome, he has maybe like this sudden stab of anxiety. Like, do they need to be warned? There, there are fierce wolves on the loose that will not spare the flock. Uh, there are those who, you know, seek to divide and separate, to steal, kill and, and destroy just like today. So how do we keep united in a divided world? We're going to be exploring that question tonight. So first up, alert, 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 Dustin, Romans 16, 17 through 20. I'm going to put it up on the screen for you as well. Go ahead, man. Right. So verse 17, and now I make one more appeal. My dear brothers and sisters, watch out for people who cause division and upset people's faith by teaching things contrary to what you have been taught. Stay away from them. Such people are not serving Christ our Lord. They are serving their own personal interests. By smooth talk and glowing words, they deceive innocent people. But everyone knows that you are obedient to the Lord. This makes me very happy. I want you to be wise in doing right and to stay innocent of any wrong. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. May the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. And this is a great section because, uh, stop me if this sounds familiar, but divisions threatens to rip apart the unity and good work of the church. If I turn on TV, this is exactly what's going on with everything that's going on. There's nothing but division happening. So we see Paul addressing these Christians in Rome about smooth-talking false teachers. Now, there's some pretty nifty car salesmen out there that can make anything sound appealing and that you want this and need it um, of their own little personal gospel message. So people are installing their own personal beliefs and ideas and teachings to then make it sound like that's the true word of Christ. So that gets us further and further away from the original intentions of what the writings were. Um, how do we stay away from that? In verse 19, it says, well, everyone knows you're obedient to God. So we counter those false teachers that's being stated, the, the car salesman, by actually staying obedient to God's word and his teaching. So by staying obedient to him, we're only listening to him and understanding what he's trying to say. So we need to fact check who we are actually listening to. And I loved what it said at the end, too, a great advice. Uh, stay wise in doing right and stay innocent of doing wrong. Use this scripture to guide you. That's a great guide point in life, how to, to listen and obey. Let God guide you, and he won't let you fail. And the best part is that Satan gets crushed at your feet at the end. So uh, It reminds me of, uh, I think it's in Matthew somewhere, uh, maybe 16 or something like that, um, where Jesus says, Be as innocent or gentle as doves and shrewd as serpents and that's kind of the the sense that we get here from paul i, I also love that part that you guys are talking about verse 20 the god of peace will soon crush satan under your feet love it that's comforting yeah and it's interesting too it's like the god of peace will soon crush yeah. satan under your feet. that's not a, that's not necessarily a peaceful uh type of action but god in doing that is creating is that the jesus kind of holding the lamb crushing jesus or is this a more fierce jesus 
I think it's the Swedish one with the blonde hair and blue eyes, uh, which is very, very historically accurate. Nice. Well, let's uh, explore some more questions together. And uh, if you're if you're with us here in the chat, uh, we want you to to explore these questions too, and, and feel free to answer them. Uh, how do we keep united in a divided world? We'll start with with that question. Uh, Jeffrey, go ahead. You know, uh, me and my wife have been talking about this a lot, and you know, I just I got a really simple answer: give more grace and be more merciful. Honestly, less opinion from me, less uh, preferences more grace and more mercy that's what a christian should do that's what christ would do and and really she was she came home the other night and had this really good i wish she she was here to give you this but it was really just a lot of grace a lot of mercy everybody's not on the same wavelength in whatever knowledge or understanding or opinions and preferences so i'm gonna stop right there give more grace and mercy that's my answer good yeah i really like that you know and i'll kind of add on to that uh and our society's gotten really good at like slandering people and like making fun of people. And I just kind of realized that it's like you can't you can't build someone up and slander them at the same time. And it's just it's just gotten out of control, I think, just with the, the level of disrespect and and irreverency, you know, for people. And I just realized is like, you know, as Christians, we should just try to avoid that because it's only gonna cause division and just add fuel to the fire and plus like how do you really know somebody, you know, like, how do you really know somebody? Is it by the, what the news says about them? Like, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to, um, yeah, it's just hard to really know somebody unless you've met them and, and know what they're really, really what they're really like. And so I just think we got to kind of avoid that and be careful. Good. So let's continue on the, the same thread there, Barnett. What are some examples of divisions or contrary teachings today? Oh, yeah. I think you cut out for a second. Oh, sorry. Hopefully my internet's still here. What are some examples of division? still here? Yeah, I'm still here. Are you guys still here? I'm here. Still here. I'm here. Are, are you guys still here in the chat? Are you with us still? You didn't like the question. He's like, uh, oh. Uh, sorry, my, my connection's unstable a little bit. Uh, there's many examples. Wait, wait, is it because Vanessa just logged on the chat? Is that oh. why I got all... <laughs> No. Uh, this guy is is newly i don't know if we you said it last week but he yeah. off the market now he is yeah. engaged congratulations yeah it's a ride man it's a roller coaster <laughs> oh. i'm a golfer so i'll give you a golf clap yeah i just think i just think there's a lot right there's just a lot with uh i think i think the main ones really tend to undermine the bible as god's uh as his has this word right and they fail to take god at his word and they want to like misconstrue things and kind of cherry pick the things that they like and ignore the other things and so i think that's the the, the biggest the biggest one is like when we get an unbalanced view of the bible because yeah we just cherry pick the, the passages we like and and we all kind of do that you know but there's some that just really kind of lean and do that yeah uh, totally what do you think jeff I, I I was thinking about uh, this concept. I was in a, I'll just be honest. I was in a CPS meeting and uh, and somebody was dealing with some really tough stuff. And they're like, "Well, what is your truth?" And I'm like, "I don't know if that really is truth. That's just your opinion of what the world is." And I think that's dividing us because when our society is really promoting a personal individual uh, experience as truth, I don't know if that's really true. And what happens is, is it gets us 7 billion different ways to divide each other instead of revolving around the actual truth. And I've said this, that now this is going to be the hundredth time I've said this uh, teaching. When I made a decision that the Bible was going to be my true north and my ultimate truth, even though I didn't necessarily understand it, agree with it all and made sense to me, it changed me. Good. Good stuff. Dustin. Yeah. I mean, I'm agreeing with these guys. It's, we're starting to get misconstrued of what the, the scripture says with our own ideas and beliefs. So, I mean, we got to really go back and take ourselves into the author's shoes of what the intended meaning of these scriptures are meant to be. And nowadays people are taking the scriptures that they want to pick and choose and then making that their beliefs and their agenda behind it, trying to fit their narrative. And that's going to cause division because there are some people trying to stay true to the actual scripture 
uh, who's trying to look into all this research moving forward. And some people are just saying, this sounds good. I can use this for my argument. So it's just people kind of misconstruing or, or using the scriptures in a different tone. So if I'm hearing you guys, we've got cherry picking, uh, we've got uh, figuring out like whose truth, my truth, your truth, whatever truth and where it's not really a, a truth and just like trying to use the Bible as a tool uh, of argument rather than uh, the word of God. Uh, what, what does that mean for our daily obedience then in trying to, to keep united in a divided world? What does daily obedience to the Lord look like? When I look at this, I think the number one thing is obedience to God is to love God. That's number one. It starts. It's not just following a set of rules and saying this is right. It's you love God. And then when you love God, you love other people. So we're following out obedience of what it is. So if we're loving God and loving people, that means we're showing love to people instead of this hate and other things that pop up these different emotions. So it's having a transformed heart. It's listening to the spirit and actually letting him guide us. So the more and more I read about that, it's taking us out of everything, stop obeying us and obeying everything that God's originally put into our makeup. I love it. Uh, Jerrod, you want to add to that? Yeah, I was thinking about, um, I was thinking about what, uh, you know, I, I know that we all kind of agree on this, that, that we are as pastors to teach being obedient to the text and to the gospel. And what makes me obedient is looking at my selfish ways every morning and tenderizing them, beating them up, putting them in the trunk, duct taping them and hiding them so that my selfishness doesn't rear its ugly head. And then I have an opportunity to be obedient more to God because my opinions and my preferences and I, somebody was putting in there and the, the differences of Democrat and Republican, that goes aside and I learned to just focus on what God would want and that if I had the old wristband, what would Jesus do? Then I have that ability to be obedient to what he would do. And the only way I would know that is by reading his Bible and following it to the best of my ability. And if I don't understand it, I'd reach out to one of you guys. So, Yeah, I love it, guys. Uh, what, what what do the people have to say, Dustin? There's a lot of wisdom I'm seeing in the chat. Uh, do you want to share with us some of the yeah. things they're saying? I mean, there was a WWJD right in there. I just gave it a little amen. But Chris said, all thoughts and actions need to point back to the Bible. I know it's cliche, but what would Jesus do? Uh, Mickey said something great. Our opinion does not make it true. Bible has to be facts. Um, the, the statement that Jared was talking about is from Kerry. We are all God's children. It shouldn't matter if we have different views, Democrats, Republicans. It's just stemming back to him. So a lot of good facts in there. And then uh, I also saw Harold saying, uh, following the chart that Pastor Jeff sent out yep. from the, the sermon on, on uh, Sunday, it goes a long way to keep us focused and united if we only follow God's way. And thank you for that, um, because human humans, we have limitations, great limitations when it comes to how we live and how we lead and and, and all of that. So uh, good work, everybody. And let's keep it keep it going. Um, so basically, in a nutshell, keep a sharp eye out for those who look to divide. Steer clear. It's just sweet talk. It might sound good, but it's actually it's not the real thing. So stay alert. And before you know, the peace of God will come down and crush Satan with both feet stomping him into the dirt. And now let's continue with Romans 16, 21 through 24. Jeffrey Bonesaw Barnett, let me get it up in the chat as well for you who are viewing this with us. And go. All right. So here we are. Timothy, my fellow worker, sends you his greetings, as does Lucius, Jason, Sosipater, and my fellow Jews. I, Tertius, the one writing this letter for Paul, send my greetings too, as one of the Lord's followers. Guy says hello to you. He is my host and also serves as a host to the whole church. Erastus, the city treasurer, sends you his greetings, and so does our brother Cortes. Once again, we get a, a a nice list of baby names if you guys need some really some creative names. But these were really just a list of uh, Paul's uh, fellow missionaries that were worked uh, with him. You know, you have some uh, cool people like Lucius. That could have been Luke who penned uh, Luke or Acts. Jason may have been Paul's host in Thessalonica. Um, so Sid Patter, I'm not even saying that right. It was probably Sopater of Berea accompanied Paul uh, when he left Greece. 
I think the most interesting part is that Paul didn't write the letter. He actually had a scribe, um, Tertius, who, who wrote this for him. And sometimes Paul would write in his own hand, handwriting in the letters. But I think that's pretty neat that like Paul didn't actually uh, write it, but he had someone who was a, a professional scribe uh, do it. And also possibly maybe uh, with Paul and his eyesight, he couldn't he couldn't uh, possibly do that. You know, some believe because he wrote so big that he had poor and failing eyesight. So he had to rely on other people to even do that himself. And so, yeah, there's just like a lot of a lot of names and a lot of them were uh, Corinthian believers, which I believe that's maybe where Paul was at. And so it's it's pretty cool to see a, a group of, of people wanting willing to serve and, and help him in his in his mission. I think that would be good uh, trivia question right there. Who wrote the book of Romans? Everyone say Paul, right? But it's like, actually, it's, it's Tertius, uh, actually, who, who penned it, technically. But uh, other than the fact that we learned that Paul has got a posse, and now often when we think about authorship when it comes to, to the Bible, we think like, oh, this one person wrote it. But it was written in community, in a sense, obviously from the mind of Paul, but obviously also with other people, fellow missionaries who are influencing him and influencing the word. And so uh, we've got a, a bunch of catchy baby names, but more than that, we learn that Paul has got a posse. So this kind of actually says something more than just a list of names, but wh- why is it so important to do life together. I absolutely love this statement because I know it's so true. It's a strength in numbers, number one. But number two, we're meant to have relationships. It's from the beginning of the Bible. We need people in our lives to live life with. It helps in accountability. It helps in wisdom. It helps in growth. I think in this instance, what Paul is trying to to say with these names, living life with people, is that He's getting them ready for, you know, God's commission that he has on their lives. So he's teaching them, instructing them, showing them different things. And they're in the same time showing him different ways, different viewpoints of people that they've experienced. So they're able to grow, learn together, which is what we're supposed to do as a community. Um, so then he can be sent off and, and still feel a connection with them because he's lived his life with people and they've each, you know, poured into each other, which is so valuable to get so many different viewpoints and wisdom. So then in in our divided world today, uh, what can we learn about unity from these first century friends? You know, I, I know that I know that we all on this panel and even in the staff, we're all unified. We're good friends. We all like to do stuff together. And, uh, even outside of church, we're hanging out trying to stay together mainly because we're friends and then we, we do ministry together so but i i know that when we do what we learn here is these guys are together and they're balancing each other what i found out in community is it balances on the, on this panel right here you would be shocked we all don't necessarily agree on everything and and that's politically that's spiritually that's the way we look at the bible but it doesn't mean that it's wrong it's just how we view it and it gives us the ability to hear someone and you know i know as we're in a divided place right now i know that i I see these guys and their unity and i could just imagine them as they're writing this go say this say that don't say this be sensitive and really helping them shape and it reminds me of what we do on thursdays where we do this outcome trying to make the messages better and 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 so unity unity makes people better Mm -hmm. it's not easy it's it's sometimes where you have to have a tough conversation and someone calls you to the carpet and you're like, yeah, I guess I haven't been right or I haven't done this. And and if you're really good friends, you, re- you respond in a better way or a different way. So I see that there are a lot of friendships here and I think that's why he adds them to it and that helps. Yeah, absolutely. I think the balance is so critical and so key. I, I wanted to share a, a quote from a book I, I just finished uh, that I thought might be helpful when it comes to times of uncertainty and division and, and great anxiety. It's, it's from a, a quote here from Margaret Wheatley, and I'll, I'll put it on the screen for you too, so you can see. Uh, she, she writes, it is possible to prepare for the future without knowing what it will be. Now, that just sounds crazy, but let me say that again. It is possible to prepare for the future without knowing what it will be. The primary way to prepare for the unknown is to attend to the quality of our relationships, to how well we know and trust 
one another. And, and what I love about that is that it just speaks about the importance of our relationships. That if we don't even know where we're going and, and what is ahead of us, what we do know is the people around us and the God that we serve and all of that just holding on to that, I think gives us hope and it gives us purpose and, and also clarity and that balance that, that Jeff was talking about. But let's explore this in a question where we also are in engaging our, our viewers here. How can we make our relationships solid? And then how do we build trust? Barnett, you want to, you want to take that one? Yeah, I'll, I'll share a little bit. I don't want to take a, a lot of time, but I think you simply got to have to know what your needs are and be able to communicate those vulnerably, right? And it's the same thing with the other person. You know, they're going to have to communicate and be vulnerable what they need. So because if there's two people and they're not communicating those things, then it's very easy to feel neglect or, or even like misheard or mistreated because you're not sharing those things. I know it's a very complicated thing, but I just want to kind of give a short answer. I was thinking, I'm going to tell a quick story. I know it'll take a little bit of time, but uh, I have a friend named Richard. And uh, many years ago, uh, before I was even in ministry, there was a moment of conflict in our relationship where my yeses weren't yeses and my noes weren't noes. And in the middle of it, he said, Jeff, don't you read the Bible regularly? And I said, yeah, I do. I read it every day. And, you know, and, you know, I was a couple years into it. And he's like, well, your yeses sure aren't yes and your noes sure aren't no. You're over committing to people and you're under uh, you're underproducing. And the truth is that honesty, I think Melina just put on there, that honesty that he gave me goes, I like you and I think you're a really good man. Our friendship is really taking a turn and I don't know if I can do that kind of friendship with you anymore. So unless you can't let your yeses be yeses and your noes be noes, uh, you know, I don't really want to be in that kind of uh, daily relationship. And I'll be honest with you, it hurt pretty bad. I mean, I, I actually didn't know what to do for 24 hours because of the friendship and what he meant. And at the end of the day, uh, it learned, I learned a lot. And so for the next 90 days, he goes, listen, if you want to be my friend, show me by committing to a couple of things for 90 days. And it wasn't easy, but I valued him. And today we're still best friends. He's still, you know, we were hanging out the other day. And so really amazing. So uh, how do we build trust, honesty, and let your yeses be yeses and your noes be noes? And the truth is most people can't be honest with that yes and no stuff. And so we kind of placate. And uh, people please, and that's who I am. I'm a people pleaser sometimes. But you yeah. it's all about uh, you know these friendships. They've been there for one another. So if I know that I can call and and gain wisdom from you, or I can have a listening ear, I can have someone to bounce ideas off of. Uh, I feel like there's someone else that's in this relationship with me. It's someone that I can begin to know that I can break my walls down, and. They're going to have the best interest at heart for me. So uh, I think it's just, you know, let's fat, let's rewind back to what we just said. It's living life with someone. So I think the more work that you put in these relationships and that's honesty, what we just talked about, honesty, trust, openness is the best way to, to build that trust. Yeah. Break it. Yeah. I like that God is like peering in through uh, Barnett's uh, window right there. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the glory pouring through. Look at you! Look like you're a uh, you got your little uh, angel halo on. I love it. Go like this, there. Feel feel free, uh, everyone, if if you're watching with us, uh, to to put questions in the chat about some of the stuff that we've been going through, any of the the scripture we've been exploring, and we'll try to at least add more questions, if not try to answer uh, your question. But uh, Dustin, I see a lot of wisdom here. Uh, in the chat that people have said uh, you want to share with us yeah i mean i i love what jim said being teachable is a good quality it's definitely being able to the input in that friendship um ray gave some great wisdom from second corinthians talking about uh being ministers of a new covenant not a letter but a spirit uh, we also have Melina, which Dara talked about, talking about honesty in a relationship. That's huge. And that's what people base so much off of. And a lot of people just getting ready for it. Yeah. We got a lot of good friends in this church. So I want to hear how they got to be friends. That's... You know, it's also really cool to see all the people chiming in. There's a lot of people I haven't seen online for a little while kind of checking us out. And it's good, man. So 
It's always good to have some people chiming in and seeing what God's doing. Yeah. I think in, in my mind, to, to answer the question, maybe uh, some other people want to answer uh, as well about relationships and how we build uh, solid relationships and how we build trust. I think that, that we build trust um, by the way that we behave, that it, it's ultimately through our actions, consistent, trusting actions. But, you know, when my words don't match my actions, the trust level, it goes down. And when the trust level goes down, the disappointment level, it goes straight up. I've heard it said that uh, trust is gained like a thermostat. You know, it goes up slowly, incrementally. Maybe it heats or it cools the house if you've got AC, but it gets lost like a light switch. That, that trust is gained like a thermostat and lost like a light switch. You just flip it right off. So then in order to establish and deepen trust and make my relationships solid, I have to like be the same person in every situation in every scenario with the same values in every relationship and every circumstance and every every crisis and and I see with Paul in his letter here with his first century friends it's all about being like relationally congruent uh, having this constancy uh, I also heard it from a, um, a army ranger and a West Point grad he said the mission first the men always and I, I like that the mission first, the men always is that we always put the mission that God has given us first, but we also keep our relationships always. So when we see a list of these guys, Lucius and Jason and Sosipater, Tertius, Gaius, Erastus and Quartus, it might just look like a bunch of catchy baby names, but their unity, their friendship, it made an, an eternal impact. And I think that's something uh, worth noting here. But let's uh, let's move on before we see uh, if we've got any other questions here or any other uh, comments about uh, relationships. No, Dustin, I don't think we we're have any. Right now. We're good. Yeah. We're good. We've silenced the people. Yeah, they're thinking about all those friendships and all the qualities. So yeah, I mean, it's hard. It's hard when you got such good friends like us, right? Well, I've always been asked this: How do you get those guys? Uh, like, you know, you guys and Ashley and Tara. And uh, I just know from an early early standpoint with Jeremy and Barnett, um, they've always done what they said they're going to do. They're like, hey, I'll show up and be there for you or with you. And they've been doing it since they were 15, 16, 17 years old. You know, hey, I'll be there. And they'd show up and didn't necessarily mean they knew exactly what we were doing. I sure didn't. And uh, But it's just showing up. Like you said, I love that statement that the uh, Ranger said is, the mission first and, and men always and they've always been there and I've tried to always be there for them and that really it's hard not to have a deep relationship even when you're in conflict with one of these guys or when they're in conflict with me which does happen show up and blow up man <laughs> it's about uh, Aaron Aaron just threw a wrench in all of this uh, and I love it what she said about how to keep relationships solid not that she threw a wrench in it or, or derailed anything but it's something I, I feel like we should just pull an audible right now and and have a little chat about she said one word and that was boundaries so how do we make our relationship solid how do we build trust what do you guys think let's let's just toss that around boundaries well there's a good book by uh, dr henry cloud and Townsend of boundaries, because I think sometimes Christians, we're not good at boundaries. We think that we're just supposed to love unconditionally. And I, don't, I know this kind of may, may sound, uh, this may sound controversial and it's just my opinion. And, but I heard it. It's like, there's, it's, there's really no such thing as that, you know, like there's always, there's conditions to relationships. I mean, like think about if you showed up not on time to your work, you can get fired, right? Like you can't just treat people how you want to treat them and just expect them to always uh, be your friend, for instance, you know. I know I'm not ex explaining in great detail, but there is boundaries, right? It's how you want people to treat you, how you want people to interact with you. That's essentially what a boundary is. And sure. when we don't do that, if people don't respect that, it's, it, there can be some serious harm and abuse for that. And so... But I know the church, I don't know, I don't know. It's 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 a it's a complicated thing. Maybe someone else wants to expound on boundaries some more. I like what you were saying. I mean, friendship is meant to be a two-way street. You don't want to be a welcome mat just for to be walked over all the time. So 
the boundaries being set. It's like, I'm going to meet you halfway to try to help through circumstances or, or be the best friend I can. But you also have to come make an effort to try to be that that person that I need right now uh, to be that soundboard, to be the helper, to be the wisdom giver. It's like, you can't just do everything for everyone. So I think healthy boundaries, like I will put up this much of a guard and let this much down because I need to know that you are going to be trustworthy. So without boundaries, you're trying to just flowing around with the wind and getting hurt by all kinds of different people. I was thinking that, first of all, I want to give credit to my wife. My wife, when we first got married, really worked hard on giving, making sure I had healthy boundaries because I was boundaryless, bro, just free in, the, in Christ. And, um, and really, uh, I, I think it's important. And, and it's a good audible, Jeremy. I saw Peyton Manning calling out Omaha right here. Oh, Omaha, Omaha. But the audible is this. Here's what happens. When I put up healthy boundaries, people come at me the way that I want them and need them to come at me. When I got good walls and I've got a good back wall to build on other walls, people come at me in a way that makes sense and the way that I can manage them. When I have no boundaries, people can come out behind me, on the side of me, and I can't be in control. And really, Elizabeth has like done wonders in my life because of that. And it goes back to what Jeremy's kind of been bringing through in all of the writing here. Is Paul had healthy boundaries in the sense that he had friendships around him to make him a better person and to help him put up walls. And there are moments when they're saying, Paul, don't do this, go here, and, you know, Sometimes he obeyed, and then the Holy Spirit sometimes took him other places. But still, boundaries are important, and when we put them up correctly, people come at you in a very healthy way, and in in return, you can be very healthy on your response. I, I like how you just said that um, when we set up boundaries that are healthy, because sometimes we can go on the opposite uh, opposite side and set up so many boundaries that are unhealthy where it's like, Oh, I'm a pastor. So I have to, I have to read and pray and, and I cannot be interrupted by anyone or any time. And it's like, Whoa, wait a second. Like maybe God is interrupting you and your precious time and your precious study and your yeah. sermons. You think that are so important. Like even like this chat tonight, like we, we had a direction we were going and then Aaron brings up this simple word that changes everything that I think was, was really important. There's a lot of, of good feedback right here. Dustin, you want to share with us? I think Melody said some stuff and uh, Jim and Chris and also Aaron also added to move. Yeah, I, I like the phrasing of this, be a friend, have a friend. That's kind of a great way to put it. And Melody said, healthy boundaries help build the other person up unhealthy boundaries help to tear them down. That kind of keys back in your point of the thermostat and the light switch, how one thing can just completely shut it off. But I, if we can juggle one more thing, I, I really like the question that Chris brought up. I think yeah. this is a good point to have. How many close friends can one person healthily have? Juggling people can be overwhelming. And I find that to be true. We can expand on that for a second. Like you have like so many friends that you don't know how to dude i got like five million of them on facebook that want to just like interact <laughs> i honestly here's my opinion my daughters I'll, I'll give you a great example one daughter's a social butterfly the other one just needs one good friend and that's enough for them and they can invest and grow and it's been something that's been going on for years and the other one has got multiple relationships so i think chris i think it's a great question what can you really handle I think most people can only handle one or two, maybe three. And, and that's what Jesus did. Jesus really poured into three good people. Not that everybody else wasn't good, but there were really three people that he keyed on. And because of that, they actually were able to key on the other people. I think that relationships have um, a maturity level to them as well. Certain relationships do. There's, there's certain friends where we talk every single day um, but then there's other friends I have who live all across the world who maybe we talk a couple of times a year. We see each other once every a couple of years and we just pick up right where we left off. But it's not like a relationship where we have to be like constantly in contact um, every single every single moment. What do you guys think, Barnett and Dustin? That's a good point, you know, because, yeah, sometimes, you know, uh, I have a friend that I grew up with uh, who lives in Arizona, but it, it feels like he hasn't left, you know. He hasn't left when he comes and comes back, but we don't talk all the time. You know, I don't know. Maybe it's different with, with, uh, me or with men, you know, sometimes like 
maybe we just don't connect as well you know, or, or verbally, but it just seems like, you know, if something is good, things don't necessarily have to be said, or maybe that's the mentality. But yeah, I think, I think at least for me, I like having, I would rather have a few quality friends than have like be friends with everybody. It's just, it's just too much, you know? I think we can have, I, I love what you were saying, Jeremy, it's a maturity thing. It's, we can have friends uh, all spread out throughout, but there are a couple core that I feel that you can really start to speak and bring life into these situations. It's like my thought process is if you need so many real good friends, that means possibly that the friends that you have aren't the ones really speaking life. You're still searching something from someone else. So I think that may be God trying to you know push you in another directions for some friends, but you you shouldn't keep searching to try to find a bunch of people to fill all these different voids. It's like, hopefully you get a couple that will just help. You'll complete you. Mm -hmm. You get to it complete. Uh, I, I think it's like, go ahead. Yeah. I'm just thinking about because we're all men here. I'm sure women have a completely different answer on what they need. So, you know, uh, Jeremy, can you get your wife or something just to kind of. She's not even here. She's on a walk or something. I don't know where she went. But, but I mean, women in the chat room, I mean, they're, they're, dis they're different. They like detail and they like to, uh, you know, some I know can have five or six, ten good friends that they like to hang out with. And so I, I like what you guys are saying. Maturity is mm -hmm. important. Women, if you can add into it a little bit, I, I know Melody's talking about uh, lifestyle, workload, kid load, you know, house and all that stuff. That definitely has an impact in it as well. There's certain seasons where I could handle more friends. Um, and less friends when my my kids were young i I had to really limit my friends down to uh just two or three because I couldn't really manage that because my kids needed me more if that makes sense it's also i think it's a great great point that it's like from a, a female perspective it, it probably is a lot different than what we're talking about but um I think that in a simplistic form that maybe you can have many that might be shallow relationships you could have i don't know thirty forty fifty. And they could be very shallow as opposed to maybe a few that you really pour into and they're very deep and, and committed in that way. But it could also um, just just have to be, you know, with with the station in life that you may find yourself and what you may be. And also your personality type. If you're an extrovert as opposed to an introvert, your you know, number of friends might need to be more or less or whatever it may be. So that's good. Well, let's uh, let's move on. There's great, great stuff. Uh, Melody did give us some more insight that, that women go through different phases of life when they need more or fewer friends. So they just like X them out of their life. Like, right. out, of here. out of here, girl. Put <laughs> them off the island. I'm going to just leave the different phases of life alone. So I'll just kind of let that go and let the women. I don't even know what that means. So, yeah. <laughs> Well, let's uh, close out right now. The Book of Romans. We're going to uh, close out here with uh, Jeff Rodriguez, Romans 16, 25 through 27. Here it comes. Go ahead. Now all the glory to God who is able to make you strong, just as my good news says. This message about Jesus Christ has revealed his plan for you Gentiles a plan kept secret from the beginning of time. But now as the prophets foretold and as the eternal God has commanded, this message is made known to all the Gentiles everywhere so that they too might believe and obey him. All glory to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, forever. Amen. I love this part. I love this. Every time in my Bible it says secret, I highlight and I underline because there's an answer right after their secret. It's not a secret. It tells you about it. There's a secret plan and that plan has been told long ago. And the beauty of the Bible, it was told in the Old Testament. It comes true in the New Testament and it still has future actions. When you look at some of the Greek language, there's, there's, there's past things that have happened. There are current things and there's future things and there's all of them working together. So this doxology or this about God and God alone, it's giving him the glory. This is good news. It gives us the strength to move forward. It's for everyone. It originally started out and it wasn't necessarily the whole plan because the Old Testament said it was for everybody, but it originally started out for the Jewish people. But now 
Paul, a Jewish scholar, is going to people that he would consider dogs and dirty and disgusting, and now he's preaching and living as a as a Gentile, and he's given God all the glory, both Jews and Gentiles, both Democrat and Republican, uh, uh, any race and ethnicity. He is the God of all uh, all mankind. He is the author of salvation. He is the he is the one who is and. And, and is the one that's going to come back. He's the Alpha and Omega. So I really love the doxology. I love the power that Paul writes in the beginning and the end, the bookends that really help us understand. So I, I'll just stop there and kind of bring you guys into the conversation. I love the doxology. I love giving God all the glory, and I think it helps me build trust in my relationship with him. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it sounds pretty simple here. Uh, believe and obey. That's, that's the, the point that Paul brings here at the end, right before that last line. I, I think it says, uh, let me, let me pull it up here again. Uh, about the Gentiles, it, it being made known everywhere so that they might too believe and obey him and all glory to, to God. Uh, it sounds very simple, right? But what's the hang up then? What, what causes us to shift our focus from praising God? To division and what can we do about it so let's let's toss that question around also if you're in the chat let's let's also communicate this what causes us to shift our focus from praising god to dividing and what can we do about that to correct that what do you guys think dustin i mean i, I believe the best way i'll do a little experiment when we do that it's like the spotlight's on us. That's how we stop obeying God and taking glory to him is we put it all on us when it's supposed to go the other way. So <laughs> if you want to believe and obey, then take yourself out of it and let God just listen to him. You love all that stuff. So less us or him. Can you do that light thing again? That was pretty neat. It was yeah, pretty good. Was... It's like a halo. It, it, it was good. I... See, the thing is, is you need false light. Odell had natural light coming in and really showing that. Yeah. That's really God. That was kind of like a fake one. I, wow. I love I love what you said, though. I think it was really good. I think the analogy and the light is really good. Um, you know, for me, I've had to, uh, Jeremy said it, I've, I've had to keep it very simple, stupid kind of thing and just put him first. I really like that thing that he said earlier about the, the, the you know, the mission first and then men always i'm just a very simple person i keep the I, I keep the text very simple i try not to get too far outside of it and for me uh uh shifting focus i have to get rid of myself every morning i have to get on my knees and i have to pray and i have to invite god in i have to believe the text and i can't i can't let the world and the news and social media kind of destroy or or or, or um Give me a, a distraught kind of view of the world. How are you, Barnett? Well, there's a lot of things. You know, one thing my mentor always tells me is that people are trying to justify their lives, right? All the time. People are trying to do things to make their life worth something. And especially today, I think a lot of people try to justify, justify themselves by their opinions or by being right. And that's why, you know, if someone doesn't have the same opinion, they... They have a tantrum, you know, like a five-year-old. But uh, there's a lot of people that in our society that are like that. And they just, it's just, they're trying to justify themselves or, or have a sense of worth through, through uh, being right. And I just realizing like, well, why don't, why don't we just realize that God has already justified us? Like he's already made us worthy. He's already done everything he possibly can to, to make us, uh, to glorify us, you know? And so, I just think about that, like how many people are trying to do something that God has already done, you know, he's, that he's already justified us. And yet we're still trying to, like, prove ourselves or to be right or to have, you know, to be the smartest person or to have the right answer, you know. And so that's what we're just seeing today. It's just like a fight, you know, it's like a huge fight. Cool. Well, temper tantrum going on here. <laughs> Uh, Dustin, you want to cue us in on what's what's being said in the chat? Yeah, I think uh, Melina and Jim said some amazing things that need to get said. Uh, giving attention to our frustrations, but God wants us to surrender lies, anger, disappointment, and more. So we're focusing on all the other stuff instead of goodness that he has supplied. 
And Jim says our opinion can become an idol having to express it continuously, tying into what Barnett was just saying. So those are some great inputs. I mean, I, our opinions are just opinions, right? Well, I think about the idol concept of an opinion, man, that's a really strong statement. Yeah. We get such an ideology that I can't break, that I can't even hear the other side and say, maybe what they're saying actually makes sense. But since I have this strong ideology, I don't even see the truth in it or the reality. Of it. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Don't let your ideology become an idol, which is a good, it's a good thing, Jim. It's a good way of phrasing it. Well, let's, uh, let's recap, uh, where we've, where we've been, uh, at least tonight that, that throughout Romans, Paul has, has prescribed uh, to the early church and also to us reading today, a, a hope. Uh, he's revealed here that, that the future hope, it, it, it's coming. And it's also an authentic reality that, that we can live lives of confident expectation today because of what God has done, like Jeff was saying, is doing and will do, that God is faithful in all of his saving activity, even even in the midst of, of suffering, even in the midst of a COVID-19 uh, coronavirus-changed world, in the middle of our suffering and inward groaning, and, and we wait and and we we groan for this redemption, for, for the restoration of, of the entire solar system and universe, the cosmos, but we do so, we wait, uh, hoping, right? Believing and obeying. We're not just sitting here, like just wishful thinking that things will get better, but we ch are challenged here to live active lives of hope. And, and in this confident expectation that, that who we are and how we live and how we see and relate to others and God, I think that's what it means to be united in a divided world, to believe and obey and hope not just by ourselves, but doing that in community, doing that together. And, and like, like Taylor Smith said, the tighter we squeeze, the less we have. I don't, I don't know what that means. But <laughs> apparently, oh, I think it, he means that like, you know, the, the, the more we grasp onto something, the, the quicker it is to slip out of our hands. But that's not really applicable to hope. I just saw it here in the chat and thought it was some wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> Good audible there. Yeah, I tried to switch it right there, but uh, I was like, "Oh, that—that's good, but it doesn't apply in this scenario." <laughs> but um, to other things, maybe to our opinions, but not to not to hope. But I want to hear from the final word from you guys, as as the people are continuing to to say some awesome stuff in here. What what are you what are you taking away tonight? I'm going to just say that I've been blown away by what Romans has brought to our church over the last, you know, 13 months, 13 months or however long it's been. It has really allowed us to grow and challenge. And I was just thinking of the message when you first went live and the, the text that we went through that night and how hard it was. And uh, that the Bible has, uh, and then this is something you taught me, Jeremy, the Bible has a lot of tension that we need to deal with in our own lives. And that's why it's written so that we can kind of get through it. So that's my final word. I've grown a lot through this season and I've, I've looked at some of the tension that the text has brought and I've grown because of it. This just shows how important uh, this scripture was for friendships, how important it is to be united together and how important it is to, to listen to God's uniting words and, and moving forward in that whole goal that he had to just love each other and then move forward. Stop trying to cause the division. Stop bringing up people to cause those divisions. So just love each other and be united. Waternet, final word. Yeah, I just think it's, there's just something special when we're able to take God's word, which is like uh, it like it shapes our lives. But then when we come here in discussion and we have each other, we can sharpen one another, right? And it's like we have these two things. Uh, because, you know, if we just read the Bible on our own, we're, we can be left to our own devices and, and warped opinions. But when we come together, we can discuss these things and, and learn how to uh, be shaped by, by what other people uh, say and learn from that wisdom as well. And so it's just such a great growing process. And, that, and I think God created both, right? Community and, and the, the word, you know, to, to both be a, a factor in our life in order to grow us. Awesome. 
Well, thank you guys so much for joining us tonight. Thank you so much for this wonderful panel. Uh, it is good to see you even just over the internet right now. It feels like we are uh, connected in a sense. Um, but thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in tonight. Uh, continue to put your messages in the chat and uh, we will uh, reply to you as well. Uh, but What's next? Yeah. What's coming up after this? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess we should talk about that. Uh, we are going to be going through uh, six weeks, I believe, of psalms. Uh, we're going to be exploring the different psalms that you see in Scripture, talking to God. So we, we've got uh, psalms of lament, where people are just like crying out. They're so sad. They're so frustrated with the situation in life they're in. We've got psalms of praise and joy. We've also got these crazy psalms of anger called imprecatory psalms. And each week we're going to be exploring one of the various types of psalms and just talking to God, trying to figure out how, how do we do that and uh, how, to, how to be honest and real and raw and authentic. Good. So good reminder for that. I hope that you guys will join us on Sunday as we continue Kings and Covenants another week. Thank you so much, everybody. And good night. Yes.